You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured at CanadiansConnection.fm brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 269 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor of the Hockey News Montreal, the founder and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens, how are you doing today? Doing well, thanks. Um, saying hello to all of our listeners out there, our entire audience. And, and it's one of those days that, uh, for me anyway, it, it makes you proud uh, to be a Canadian and uh, sporting the poppy on my shirt in the studio here. I uh, watched a little bit of the ceremony from uh, the National War Memorial and, and would I think of of friends, family members, and and certainly um, members of our listening audience um, and their families. And and we thank them all for uh, the service to our country on Remembrance Day here in Canada and, and of course, Veterans Day uh, for our listeners in the States. So um, we're we're very grateful um, and uh, we're we're happy to have you here today. Absolutely. So uh, happy Remembrance Day to everyone and uh, hoping everyone takes a moment there uh, to uh, respect all the veterans that we have in this lovely country. But uh, plenty of uh, hockey stuff to talk about today. Is, uh, the Montreal Canadiens had a bit of an interesting week. Uh, lots of interesting topics to get you up to date with there. Uh, some roster news as well, and we'll talk about some prospects. Uh, in segment two, we have a very special guest uh, making his debut of the season on the Canadians Connection podcast. It's uh, one and only Patrick Williams, our AHL expert and guru. He's going to join us uh, and he'll talk about the AHL and uh, Uri Slavkovsky. And then in segment three, we like to turn it over to our listeners for the Have Your Say segment. Our Canadians Connection question of the week is, what do you think has prevented Slavkovsky from living up to expectations? We want to make sure that we hear from you. And Rick, what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to us? We have a text line. It's uh, easy to reach us 24 hours a day. The text line's also easy to remember. It's 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET. And also make sure that you're following us on our social medias. Just uh, search for at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also check out our website, canadiansconnection.fm. 
Make sure that you're checking out our comprehensive game previews and post-game recaps for every Montreal Canadiens game at THN.com slash Montreal. And here's what happened since we have last spoken. Going back to last Saturday, November the 4th, Montreal takes a trip to St. Louis and... Uh, Terrible game for Montreal, to be honest. Uh, St. Louis wins that one 6-3. Montreal now on a three-game losing streak. Slavkovsky scores his first goal of the season on the power play. But beyond that, it was all about the St. Louis Blues. Six different goal scorers for them, including three in the third period. Yeah, that uh, the Canadians finished uh, their road trip. um, First road trip, really, of of the season. A three-game road trip. Uh, without a win, 0-2-1, and, and, um, and it was a, a game where we saw uh, the first goal of the season by Uri Slavkowski um, with Christian Dvorak coming back into uh, the lineup. Um, Marty St. Louis was able to make some changes and, and slot Uri Slavkowski up on the top trio with Suzuki and Caulfield. Uh, a couple days off in between that brings us to November the 7th. Uh, Tampa Bay comes into town to visit Montreal. And not a whole lot of positives here. Tampa Bay wins this one 5-3. to three. That makes it four losses in a row. Tampa scored their first goal less than a minute in, and that kind of set the tone. They had a 4 nothing lead partway through the first uh, period. Uh, Jake Allen got the pull. Uh, Montembeau went in. Uh, Montreal could not score on five consecutive power plays. They finally converted on the sixth one. And, of course, uh, Tanner Janot gets into a fight with Arbor Jacquet. And this might be the first time that we've seen Arbor Jacquet lose a fight. Tanner Janot absolutely rocked Arbor Jacquet in that one. And, uh, of course, Montreal with uh, their fourth straight loss in that one at home to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I think the best thing about this game was watching the uh, live stream with you and Nathan. Um, it was very entertaining, and I think there was um, there was first four goals by Tampa. You guys were a little bit in shock, as I was. Um, the, the Canadians had nothing. They came out, and again, you you had the situation where it was a back to back for the opposition, and the Canadians came out flat, completely flat. Um, easy to, to blame, uh, Jake Allen on this one. I thought, in my opinion, uh, the fourth goal was the only one that he might like to have back. Uh, the others, uh, he didn't have a hope. Uh, the, um, the players on the ice were terrible in particular, uh, Mike Matheson, who continued a, a pretty rough patch for him. And he was on the ice for all four, uh, goals in that first period, um, by Tampa. Uh, it was it was ugly, and at that point, um, you know, we talked about bad starts and and the Canadians looking unprepared. Um, they were outscored uh, eight to two in in the previous four games. It was it was just awful. Yeah, I agree with all of that, and uh, the fans in the building that night. I don't think they were happy either because listening to the broadcast, I heard some booing. Unfortunately, so I, I can tell the fans were not uh, thrilled to be at that game. Unfortunately. Uh, day off in between uh, before their next game when Montreal headed to Detroit and they snapped their uh, losing streak uh, in a, with an overtime win, 3-2. to two. Uh, Caulfield scores the power play goal in overtime to snap that losing streak. Caden uh, Primo makes his second start of the season and he gets his very first win. Beyond that, uh, kind of a snoozer, to be honest. It, it really was. Um, not much happening in, in the recap that I did at THN dot com slash Montreal. Um, you'll you'll read that that uh, it was a low event game. There was very few high danger scoring chances. 
uh, in the game. Um, high danger scoring chances, six to four um, in in a 65 minute game, uh, which is which is pretty low. Uh, meant the goaltenders, both of them had a relatively easy time of it, and maybe that was a good thing for Caden Primo uh, to help build uh, up his uh, confidence. Uh, we talked about Mike Matheson struggling for mm, over a week. Um, he had uh, a good game uh, with a goal and, and two assists in this one. And um, yeah, Cole Caulfield just uh, missed her overtime, um, able to uh, finish uh, the, the Red Wings off in this one on the power play. And uh, I will say, too, Detroit is a team that caught a lot of people uh, off guard at the early points of this season. They had a very hot start. And they're uh, starting to come back down to earth. Uh, you heard a lot about uh, Debrinkat and uh, Dylan Larkin, their success. And, uh, well, they haven't uh, been able to score quite as much as they have uh, in that first month of October. So there's another team that's coming back down to earth. It was kind of uh, fun to, to see Jeff Petrie and and uh, Ben Sherratt paired together uh, yeah. <laughs> on, the, on the blue line. And playing a lot of minutes for uh, Detroit. I, I really liked uh, the night before the game. On Instagram, Julie Petrie uh, posted a picture of, of dinner at the Petrie's house. And, of course, the four Petrie boys uh, and Jeff seated at the table along with invited guests Nick Suzuki, Brennan Gallagher, and Jake Evans. Uh, so a bit of a, a reunion there uh, of, uh, of sorts. And, and that was, that was kind of nice to see. Yeah, great photo. Uh, the Canadians' record currently 6-5-2. and two. That's 18th in the NHL, so they're starting to fall down the standings a little bit. Uh, continue to check out Habs Notepad, Habs Headlines, feature articles, and game day posts appearing regularly at THN.com slash Montreal. Taking a look at our roster news, uh, some Canadians players practiced with neck guards this week following the tragic death of Adam Johnson. Uh, of note, it looked like uh, Brendan Gallagher and Michael Pozzetta were among those wearing the neck guards. Yeah, that's right. Um, Michael Pozzetta said uh, the reason he had one, and of course he uh, played with a neck guard when he was in the OHL, um, he said that uh, he got messages from his mom um, saying, please wear the neck guard. He tried it out in practice. He said eh, it wasn't bad, uh, but he feels that um, it's something he would have to play with over the course of a summer and get used to. Um, so don't expect uh, him to be wearing it regularly until next season. The Canadians had their team photo day this past week. Uh, not too much to highlight here beyond Marty St. Louis uh, getting tricked and sitting on <laughs> a whoopee cushion. Uh, a few whoopee cushions were out that day. A couple of cute moments along the way. There was a drone. At one point, they were taking selfies, but uh, uh, not a whole lot of news coming out of this one. Just kind of some fun. Yeah, I liked it. It was a little bit of fun. And tonight on uh, November the 11th, we're going to see the return of Raphael Harvey-Pinard back in the lineup. He's been day-to-day for a little while. He has. Um, he's coming into uh, the lineup uh, for Saturday night's game. Missed three games. Uh, Yol Armia will be out, uh, joining um, Jesse Ullinen as, as a healthy scratch. Uh, so that means that, that Pizzetta will stay in the lineup. And Sam Montembeau. Uh, we'll get to start against the Boston Bruins. Apparently, Caden Gooley uh, is looking forward to this um, rivalry, his first game uh, as a National Hockey League player against the Bruins. And now it's a good time to get to our winners and losers. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on the Canadians Connection. 
So I'll start things off with my loser and my winner before we move on to you, Rick. Uh, my loser for this week, and I think this is a loser for a number of years now, to be honest, for a few different reasons. This is the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they are second last in the West. They have Connor McDavid. They have Leon Dreisaitl. That's absolutely unacceptable for them. And icing on the cake, they lose to the San Jose Sharks, who were pretty well, like no wins coming out of October. Uh, they The San Jose Sharks got their first win against the Flyers, their second win against the Edmonton Oilers. So just unexcusable for the Edmonton Oilers to be in the position that they're currently at. And on top of that, and we'll talk th- about this a little bit more towards the end of the segment, but uh, the goalie that they signed uh, for five times five, Jack Campbell, on waivers and headed to the AHL. Um, Rick, if I were to ask you, what's uh, the one biggest weakness that the Edmonton Oilers have? What would you say? Oh, I don't know. Uh, Maybe (laughs) goaltending? Yeah. yeah. Uh, How many years have we been talking about this? I think the best goalie they've had in somewhat recent history is Cam Talbot. Since then, they've just done nothing to try and get a really good starting goaltender. Their biggest attempt at that was uh, Jack Campbell last year. They signed Stuart Skinner long-term. Neither one of these guys are getting the job done. So shame on uh, Ken Holland and the entire Edmonton Oilers fan ba- or organization. rather. I feel bad for the fan base. That, uh, it's been basically since Cam Talbot, since they've had uh, reasonable goaltending, and uh, it's it's unexcusable. At some point, they'll have to figure this out, but they've really painted themselves into a hole. I feel sorry for the fan base and for Connor McDavid. It's got to be really frustrating. Absolutely. But uh, moving along to uh, my winner for the week, and that goes to one Cole Caulfield, the fastest player in NHL history to seven overtime goals, uh, smashing the previous record held by Frank Finnegan, if we want to go all the way back to those days, uh, who did it in 222 games. So big congrats to Cole Caulfield, Mr. Overtime, uh, probably the perfect player to have out there for three on three. And uh, he's been fantastic. He's won a few of those for Montreal this season and uh, he's looked good doing it as well. Um, five goals this season, three of them game winners in overtime. That's incredible. Absolutely. And uh, Rick, you have uh, your winner and loser this week. I think this is going to be fun. I, I do. And and it came, um, uh, it was sparked by the event on uh, Thursday night this past week. Uh, there was a tribute um, put together, a, a gala ceremony put together to uh, tribute uh, Dr. Uh, David Mulder. Uh, we, we know he retired recently after 60 years with the organization and it was also a tribute uh, to the 1993 Stanley Cup champions. Uh, it worked out as a fundraiser, a million and a half dollars raised for the Montreal Children's, uh, sorry, Montreal General Hospital Foundation. Um, and um, um, just uh, the pictures from that event, um, you know, they, they, they kind of take you back. And, and um, they're a reunion, a 30th reunion of the, of the 1993 Stanley Cup champions. And, and you remember the 11 overtime games that, that, that it took to, to win the Stanley Cup. The Canadians lost the first one, then rattled off uh, 10 overtime. Patrick Waugh, unbelievable. Um, and the picture, you look at the picture and the smiling faces and Matthew Schneider, Rob Ramage, and um, Stefan LeBeau, and Denis, did I say Denis Savard, uh, Carboneau, Wah, Brisebois, um, uh, Eric Desjardins. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's wonderful. So they are my winners of the week. 
I'll pause there. They are my winners of the week. These wonderful uh, gentlemen who uh, brought uh, the cup to Montreal, brought the cup to Canada for the last time. And you look at these faces again, and then you get a really, you get a much different feeling. These are, these are gentlemen in their mid fifties, early sixties. Um, they're, they're, they're growing old gracefully. They, they look good, but, um, they're, they're, they're not youthful anymore. Um, and that means that it's been 30 years, 30 years since the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley cup, 30 years. I'll say it again. That's, that's unconscionable for an organization like the Montreal Canadiens. And it, there was um, one of the things that we've been doing at uh, the Hockey News uh, Montreal, THN.com slash Montreal, is featuring, going back in the archive, going back in the Hockey News archive, um, and and pulling out stories that are amazing to to read. Um, and I wrote a, you know an introductory piece to an article uh, that appeared in the Hockey News in the fall of 1999. The associate editor of the Hockey News in 1999 was none other than Bob McKenzie prior to uh, his TSN days. And, and um, he talked about this. This was the, the, the season preview for the 1999-2000 season. Um, and the, the, the concern in Montreal, the speaking to the fans and the media, and, and Montreal weren't projected to be a, um, a contender that, that season in 1999-2000. They, they didn't um, make the playoffs, and they had just come off the f- worst season in 48 years, the season prior. Um, they had finished with 75 points last in the Northeast. The team was, was losing money. They had a, the, one of the worst deficits ever, $3.8 million. Team president Ronald Corey had resigned that, that, uh, that spring, in May 1999, and, and in September, the Molsons said, that's it, we're done, we're selling the, the Montreal Canadiens. It's one of the lowest points uh, in, in the history, um, and, and his article referred to uh, how the mighty have, have fallen. And um, he w- what, what people were so upset about uh, was going back-to-back and missing the playoffs, that that was, that was unheard of. And that if they didn't win the cup that season, it was going to be seven years. It was going to be seven years. And that since the, the 1940s, since uh, the 1944 season, the Canadians won at least one Stanley Cup every seven years. Now, you can tell me that, that yes, you can't go back and, and times were different and there was fewer teams and players, um, all of that. I get it. But 30 years, uh, the, the, the city was melting down in 1999 because they were going to go more than seven years. Uh, and now that's, that's extended. So my loser here, to wrap it up, Jeff Molson, do something. Jeff Molson, look at this photo. Jeff Molson, get upset and set as the priority to win a Stanley Cup. I, uh, at this point... At this point, all your other priorities, and we know there's a lot of them, uh, he, he has his other priorities that, that distract the team from, from getting the best in the organization, that there's other priorities that the media demand, or um, ditch all of those 
and set as a goal to win a Stanley Cup. Um, so this is on this is on Jeff Molson. Um, and so the 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 event, the wonderful event, has yielded both my winner and loser of the week. Yeah, I think that's a great choice as well. And kind of unfortunate here. I was born in '96. I've never seen this team win a Stanley Cup. So, and that's wrong. Uh, that's yeah. wrong. That is wrong. That means multiple generations have grown up into this point have never seen the team win a Stanley Cup either. So it's it's sad. And for all the points that you brought up, uh, so definitely some ulterior motives going on here. And uh, right now, I think you know, if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, if you don't hear this and feel a little bit sad and upset. Uh, I, I don't know what to say. And listen, um, you know, maybe everybody has has um, put their faith in Jeff Gordon, uh, in Kent Hughes, and and um, and maybe that that faith is is uh, uh, justified now. And and maybe um, folks see fans see a direction that that they can support. But they're still they're still being pulled in different directions. And we've, we've talked about, um, ownership making decisions, uh, that aren't really hockey decisions. And those have happened. We talked about it in the past two weeks. Um, those are still happening and, uh, that's not going to, it's really hard to win a Stanley cup, especially in a 32 team, uh, league. Uh, so don't handcuff the, the franchise cannot handcuff themselves, uh, from, from, going out and, and getting the best. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note, uh, we'll take a look towards the future as uh, we head into our Habs Prospect Report. It's time for the Rocket Report. The Rocket Sports Media team is your premier source for information about the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens, as well as Habs prospects playing in the CHL, NCAA, and leagues around the world. Bookmark THN.com slash Montreal to follow our comprehensive coverage of Canadians' prospects. Each week, uh, we like to highlight a Montreal Canadiens prospect. Uh, and uh, this week, we're going to shine the spotlight onto Philippe Michard, uh, first-round draft pick. Uh, he was the second guy taken in the first round after Slavkovsky by the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, unfortunately, uh, he's not currently playing in the, the American League. He started the year there. Uh, things weren't going well. He wasn't playing a whole lot. So he was sent back to the Kitchener Rangers. And uh, he's been hot 12 points in seven games. That's terrific. Uh, three goals, nine assists. Um, the Kitchener Rangers had a, had a very good week. They won four games straight. And um, Philippe Machar was, was a big part of that, especially on Wednesday night against Owen Sound. A goal and two assists. Uh, a plus two, uh, three shots on goal. Um, he's, um, yeah, he's embracing his opportunity uh, in the OHL. Yeah. Um, if we want to take a look at the USCHO division poll, uh, currently Boston College it remains in that number one spot. We talked about this a little bit last week, and uh, no changes uh, there, at least at number one. Yeah, the record is 7-1. and one. Uh, Jacob Fowler, a big part of that. Um, as we as we noted last week, um, uh, Wisconsin. We talked about a big jump for Wisconsin from, I think it was fourteen to five last week. Well, they've gone from five to three. Uh, so the top five are Boston College, Denver, the Denver Pioneers, uh, Wisconsin. We remember Wisconsin. That's where uh, Cole Caulfield played his NCAA hockey. North Dakota, and then Providence in the number five spot. Lane Hudson has had a 
pretty good start to his season as he was named the Hockey East Player of the Wet of the Week. Uh, Ten points in eight games so far, so he continues his hot streak. This is the the second time uh, this season that uh, he was named Hockey East Player of the Week. Um, he had uh, four goals in two games against North Dakota. So um, if you're North Dakota, that's that's tough. Um, but yeah, he's having a, um, a great season uh, so far. Uh, eight games played, 10 points, seven goals, three assists. Taking a look at the Laval Rocket, pretty late week for them. Uh, their last game goes all the way back to last Saturday on November the 4th. Uh, the Toronto Marlies come to town and give Laval a bit of a spanking. Five to nothing, the Marlies win. Uh, Laval fails to capitalize on five power plays. Uh, the Marlies just absolutely dominant through and through. Laval seemed uh, a little bit sleepy in that one. I'm not sure what was going on there. JFO was seething after this game and promised a tough week of practice, which uh, um, Chris G was at practice on, on Friday and uh, uh, has a couple of articles out uh, this weekend, one uh, Saturday morning and one on Sunday morning. Laval's record currently 2-7-1-0. and oh, That's 31st in the AHL. Yikes. Coming up, uh, they do have a very busy week as they head on the road uh, on November the 12th and 13th. They're going to be playing in Manitoba. They get a day off before they come back home and play against Belleville. And then on the 17th, uh, Laval still at home once again. So four games coming up this week and uh, some pretty steep competition. Yeah, it's uh, it's a busy week after having a week off. Then they go uh, kind of five games in, in the week. Uh, once you look at uh, Sunday and whatnot, uh, it's, go- it's going to be a real tough test. But uh, maybe some of the, well, the most entertaining team within the organization right now might not be the one that you expect it to be. The 12 Riviera Lions have been off to a great start to their season. Um, going back to November the 5th against uh, Newfoundland, the Trois Riviere win 5-2. to two, And then uh, the next day, uh, back-to-back against Newfoundland, Trois Riviere win 2-1 to one in overtime. Uh, then Maine visits Trois Riviere and they win 4-3. to three. Uh, Just great start to the season for Joe Verbetic and goal. Uh, Matthew Bouchard, uh, 12 points in eight games. Uh, Anthony Beaugrand, uh, he's got... 12 points in eight games and just wow these 12 Riviera Lions might be a team that we want to start paying attention to and we that we are Chris G made his first visit out to Trois Riviere last Sunday and has filed several stories this week about uh, the interviews that he had with the Trois Riviere uh, Lions um, say that there's no goaltending um, prospects in in uh, the Canadians organization how about Joe Verbetic uh, Joe Verbetic has been outstanding uh, playing most of the games uh, for uh, the Lions. And uh, on Friday night uh, against Maine, uh, as you said, uh, Trois-Rivières won that game 4-3. to three. Now, Trois-Rivières uh, had four goals on 16 shots. <laughs> okay. Uh, Maine had three goals on 46 shots. Trois-Rivières was outshot 46-16, to 16. And Joe Verbetic, I was going to say stood tall, but you you know how tall he is. Um, he was out. He was unbelievable. Forty three saves uh, in that game. Um, and looking at the game sheet, uh, he wasn't named a star. Um, Ducharme, uh, Fermain, Abrecht, and Albrecht, and uh, and Tyce Milana got his first uh, pro goal. So good for him for getting in there. But come on, Maine. 
uh, at the Cross Insurance Arena. Do better. Uh, Joe Verbetic got to serve the first star here. Uh, currently, the Trois Rivières record is 8 1 0 and 0. So, only one loss so far. And uh, make sure that you continue to look out for our Trois Rivières coverage. Uh, looking at our QMJHL coverage, as we have started to look after the hockey news uh, QMJHL, you can find that at thn.com slash QMJHL. Uh, well, a bit of a sad story coming out uh, from the Charlottetown Islanders as defenseman Lane Hinkley has announced his retirement from hockey. Uh, it seems like he's had some uh, head trauma that's uh, not really uh, led to anything good, right? Yeah, he announced this um, a couple of weeks ago on his uh, Instagram account, and and it's something that uh, has brought been brought to our attention, and and we're featuring. Um, and and this relates to remember the the Q uh, made this bold decision that that they uh, essentially banned fighting in the league, and there's some controversy about that. Um, but reading the announcement. Uh, by Lane Hinckley. Lane Hinckley, um, he's, he's a 19-year-old um, defenseman, wears, uh, wore an A uh, for the Charlotte, Charlottetown Islanders. Um, and this is his announcement on Instagram. I'll read it, quote, Friday morning, like I said, that was two, two weeks ago, I was told that my hockey career is over. Too many hits, too many punches, too many concussions that I didn't properly heal from. The doctor said that my MRI showed that there is a 25 millimeter by 17 millimeter lesion on my brain, as well as other scars that they couldn't determine the size of. Currently, I am at risk for CTE and early dementia. Dementia, sorry. Um, That is just awful news, stunning news, uh, difficult news uh, to be delivered to... um, uh, a young man uh, who is playing junior hockey in the QMJHL. Um, he said one of looking back at his career, his, his short career, um, he remembers uh, a game at home uh, in center 200, looking up in the crowd and, and seeing a little boy who had his Jersey on with the number 77 on his back. The kid had a big smile on his face and he says, that was one of my proudest moments and I'll never forget it. Um, he said, being from a small Cape Breton town, I felt blessed to even skate on the ice of a QMJHL rink. It feels surreal that I was able to play 143 games. Before I ever played a single one of those games, my cousin Marco told me to appreciate every second of it because before you know it, it's gone. He was right, and I'm grateful for all of it. Um, We've talked about CTE. We've talked about fighting. We've talked about concussions. We know that Gary Bettman disputes any kind of link um, between concussions and, and CTE, uh, this is this is um, this is devastating for for this young man, uh, and hopefully, uh, in the research that's done in the intervening years, uh, will allow him to um, live and be productive and have a long life. Yeah, so a bit of a sad story there, and uh, unfortunately, uh, his career has come to an end. Uh, the QMJHL has banned fighting this year, but uh, also we talk about uh, the big hits that uh, are being laid on uh, various players at a young age. It's uh, it's just sad to see, and it's uh, very unfortunate that this has led to the end of his career and uh, potentially some long-term effects. Yeah. So if you want to find all the best coverage on Canadians' prospects, head over to THN.com slash Montreal. Uh, if you're looking for the best English language coverage of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, head over to THN.com slash QMJHL.
Uh, now it's time to get to our quote of the week, and that quote comes from Dr. David Mulder. Uh, he was honored as the Canadian's former head team physician at an event at uh, the Bell Centre on Thursday night. And I think we were shocked as to how much information he's given us on Carey Price's injury. Yeah, it's... Um... Listen, Dr. Mulder, anyone will tell you, anyone who's met him will tell you he's one of the nicest men in hockey. And um, I, you know, I don't, I don't know who's at fault here, whether it was um, the media for asking the question or the, um, the, the PR staff for not properly advising the media to, to stay away from talking about injuries of, of current players on the roster, it's kind of odd that a doctor would reveal private medical information um, that had not yet been made public. Um, this is, this is, let's play the quote and then, then we can have a discussion about it. Yeah, no, it was very frustrating for us and doubly frustrating for him because uh, he had two injuries. He had an injury to the meniscus, which is the cartilage in the joint, and we sent him to New York. Dr. Marks operated on him, clean, tidied up the meniscus, and during the operation, he discovered that the condyle, or the, the important part of the femur, the big bone in your leg, had lost all its cartilage, about the size of a 50-cent piece. And so that that was a complete surprise to us. And that's, what, that's really what has ended his career. Wow. Um, surprising to Dr. Mulder and the, the Canadians medical staff and, and a shock to us as well. Lots to, to unpack here. Um, but you know, how does one lose all of the cart cartilage on the femur and, and there's no telltale signs. There's no, how does that, how does that happen? Now I understand that it's compounded by another injury, the meniscus injury. That's why he went to have the surgery um, uh, by Dr. Marks, um, the special surgery center in New York City, same place that, that uh, Kirby Doc had, and the same, same place and same doctor that Kirby Doc, um, where he had his surgery. Um, but man, oh man, uh, you know, should Dr. Mulder, Mulder be saying this, uh, revealing this information? Um, you know, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not of that practice. Uh, so I reached out to our, we have a medical specialist uh, this year, Dr. Stephen Morris, reached out to him and, and he thought it was, was uh, a little odd that, that uh, um, personal medical information was, was being revealed as well. As far as the, how do you play goal? How do you play goal without cartilage on your femur plus have a, a meniscus tear? Uh, and I think that just puts all of the entire... Um, the entire Stanley Cup run in 2021 in, in new perspective, uh, how courageous that was, not only by Kerry, but Kerry and, and Shea uh, Weber to both be dealing with uh, season, uh, not season debilitating, life debilitating injuries um, and, and still put on the performance and carried the team uh, the way both of them did. Um, but I also start thinking about um, you know, after that, then his his ad, his admittance to the player assistance program, um, and the pain that he must have been going through, and the devastation for for knowing that that his career was over. And and you know, you 
you just have to wonder um, what's what's the quality of his life going to be. Um, he's only 36 years old, <laughs> you know. He's got a long life ahead of him. And and um, Doctor Steve said, uh, you know, you can bet that there's a, a knee replacement um, in Carrie's future. Um, this this um, all of this. There's there's so many layers to to this particular story um, that. You just, you say, wow. I mean, it's, it's talk about a quote of the week. It may be the quote of the year so far. Yeah. Uh, getting a lot more information than I think we expected and ending on a note where it was saying that Carrie Price's career has ended too, was kind of a sad thing to hear, to be honest. It, it is. And, and, uh, you know, I know the Cana- Canadians have been careful in kind of dancing around given that he's, uh, they don't want to jeopardize the fact that the, his eligibility for LTI um, because that has to be maintained. So they get salary relief for the next two years um, this year and, and two more years. Um, yeah. I thought it was, it was certainly interesting. It, it was uh, certainly not what was in, expected. And um, you know, he went on, uh, Dr. Mulder did and, and uh, talked about uh, things that were more public. He, he certainly opposes fighting and talked about concussions and, and, uh, he talked about the way equipment's changed, uh, protective equipment for the players, uh, in his 60 years. He talked about, uh, Saku Koivu's return in, in 2002 and, and what a moment that was, um, in the Bell Center. Uh, he talked about the, the injury, uh, the, the, um, injury to Clint Malarchuk and and the this the skate slash and how that related to Ad, Adam Johnson all things that were kind of uh, public and and fascinating to hear from his perspective having gone through all of that over sixty well with sixty years in the organization and now being the, the um, um, physician emeritus with with uh, as a consultant for uh, the Canadians but uh, in particular the the Carey Price one was um, a little bit offside I I would say. Yeah, I agree for sure. Uh, taking a look at hockey news from around the league, and uh, Rick, I think you predicted that we were going to see an update on this. Uh, Sportico released their 2023 NHL franchise evaluate or values valuations. Uh, this comes after Michael Anlauer uh, sold his 10% share of the Montreal Canadiens uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, right now, the Toronto Maple Leafs leading the way with a $2.65 billion value. Uh, the New York Rangers in second uh, with a $2.45 billion value. And in third place, it's your Montreal Canadiens with a $2.27 billion in value. And that's gone up about 33%. So this Montreal uh, Canadiens organization... Uh, they have a lot of money. That's um, that's B a billion with a B. Um, yeah, two point two seven billion dollars is the worth of the Montreal Canadiens. And um, as you look down the list, there was there was really no change to the top ten. Um, you see uh, a lot of original six teams in there: um, um, the the Rangers, the Leafs, the Canadians, Blackhawks, Bruins. Um, and Detroit Red Wings. Uh, so it it's, uh, uh, my goodness, a lot of money. But what interested me a little bit more was the revenue. That is the, you know, the $2.27 billion is is the worth of, of the club and the properties and whatnot. But what kind of revenue are they bringing in on a yearly basis? Uh, last year, 2022 to 23, the Montreal Canadiens uh, brought in $300 million dollars. 
Um, that is second uh, in the National Hockey League to uh, Toronto. Um, and um, a big jump from $257 million in uh, 2021-22. Um, and uh, the COVID year, um, uh, 2020, uh, 2021, there was just 90 million. So triple, uh, the amount of revenue, uh, in the COVID year. And, and you think about the, the revenue going up, uh, the salaries, that's their biggest, the Canadians biggest ex, uh, expense staying flat, uh, all those years. Um, there, there, there's, there's a lot of money there, uh, to be had. Um, and, and, you know, uh, that should mean that the Canadian, yes, there's a salary cap, but the Canadians have the ability to have uh, the best coaching staff and the best scouting staff and the the best facilities and the best. Um, there's 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 a lot of resources available um, to uh, the ownership if they want to use them in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the NHL uh, Hockey Hall of Fame Class of 2023 ceremony takes place on Monday. Uh, this class includes Pierre Turgeon, Henrik Lundqvist, Mike Vernon, Tom Barrasso, Caroline Ouellette, uh, Ken Hutch- Hitchcock, and Pierre Lacroix. So um, a bit of a mix of uh, different types of uh, people getting inducted in there. I think for me, the headlines include uh, Pierre Turgeon and Hen- Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's... Um, this class of 2023, um, that will, that induction ceremony will happen in Toronto, um, on Monday. Then on Tuesday, uh, you're going to see a ceremony, uh, at the Bell Center, uh, to have Pierre Turgeon, um, in, uh, added to the, 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 uh, as a legend to the, the Canadian's ring of honor. Um, I think, uh, if memory serves correct, he, he will be the 60th player added to that ring of, of honor. That's not a, that's a little different than, a um, a Jersey retirement, uh, that's in the rafters. It's, it's the ring that goes around the building, um, with numbers and, and names, um, at, at the top. Um, and, and we all know him from, from being the 25th captain, uh, of the Montreal Canadiens and, um, was, uh, the person, the player, uh, who received the torch, um, at, uh, the, 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 um, old forum. And then, um, five days later, uh, accepted it, uh, at, at the, I was going to say Bell Center. Then it was the Molson Center. Um, and so that's kind of the most memorable moment of, of Pierre Turgeon, uh, Turgeon in his very short stay with, with the Montreal Canadiens. Yep, only really one full season. Parts of three, though. He put up 96 points in uh, 1996. Uh, do you feel like this is a good add to the Ring of Honor, given that it's been such a short period of time? I, I know it was a pretty good season, and he put up a lot of points and was a captain, but uh, do you feel like this is a very noteworthy addition to the Ring of Honor? Yeah, had had he not participated in that very historic ceremony, the closing of, of the forum, I, I don't think... Um, it, it was memorable. His stay in Montreal was memorable enough. Um, but I'm sure there's people that would argue the opposite. And our last bit of news here comes from Edmonton. Uh, I talked about this a little bit earlier, but Jack Campbell cleared waivers on Wednesday and was assigned to the Baker Bakersfield Condors of the AHL. Uh, Edmonton called up Calvin Pickard as a goaltender. 
And uh, I guess the hope is that uh, Jack Campbell can go down there and uh, refine his game. So far, five games into his season, one win in the NHL of 4.5 goals against average and a point. 873 save percentage so just a terrible start from jack campbell uh you really feel for him uh, he might honestly just not be a starting goaltender to be completely honest and uh, i think edmonton uh handed out probably one of the worst contracts in the nhl unfortunately uh, really no surprise that he cleared waivers and and uh um, went to Bakersfield and, and his first game, um, Bakersfield and, and Abbotsford, the Abbotsford Canucks, oh, the, the, the clip is going around social media, just an ugly, ugly goal. Um, it, it's, it's sad what's become of, of Jack Campbell. And, and as you said, that leaves Calvin Pickard and Stuart Skinner, uh, as this, the tandem for the Edmonton goaler, uh, Oilers, are, are, do they need a goalie? Yes, of course they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's reports all over the place um, from um, uh, Elliot Friedman in particular that Edmonton has reached out to Montreal um, and they've, they're have they interested, Edmonton is interested in Jake Allen, um, but um, Elliot says he doesn't uh, sense anything uh, imminent happening there. Uh, Pierre Lebrun said uh, that Carolina is also looking uh, for goaltending help. Uh, we we news this week that Frederick Anderson has a clotting issue, um, and um, his he's out indefinitely. Um, so uh, Lebrun said that Carolina is keeping an eye on all the three goalie situations. Um, like Detroit, like Montreal, to see if there's uh, a trade available. Um, it was uh, Darren Drager who uh, said, um, I believe it was on TSN 690, uh, that of um, the Edmonton Oilers prospects, uh, that the Montreal Canadiens have interest in uh, Xavier Borgo. Um, he was a first round pick of the Oilers, 22nd overall in 2021. Um, and he's a player that I played with uh, Shawinigan, uh, a Q player. Um, he's got a tremendous shot. Skating is iffy. Hockey sense is iffy. And there's um, he, there's no physical game. He he kind of gets pushed around a bit. Um, so we'll we'll see what what transpires there. Of interest is that uh, Borgo is represented by Cortex, um, of course. Kent uh, Hughes has has uh, since leaving um, uh, that uh, player representation agency, uh, he has gone back time and time again uh, to players that he knows um, that represented by Cortex. So um, this is something that uh, let's just call it a, a slow simmer at this point. Uh, no heat yet, uh, but could be could be uh, evolving as uh, as we go. Yeah, a good catch. I believe it was Jeff Gordon that said that uh, he didn't really want to hang on to three goaltenders for the entirety of the season. So I think there are a few opportunities out there for Montreal. I don't think it matters which goaltender it is, but uh, I think it would be nice to see them go down to two goaltenders like regular teams do. 100%. I agree. Uh, so coming up, uh, we'll hear a message from our sponsors, DraftKings, and then we'll get to our big topic segment. We'll welcome in Patrick Williams to join us. Uh, stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. 
We are back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, LA. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Michael Spinella. You can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. With me in the studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. Make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at Rocket Sports. You can also follow the Canadians Connection Podcast just by searching at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can check out our website, CanadiansConnection.fm. Just a reminder here, make sure you're subscribed to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player on your favorite podcasting app. That way you never miss a single episode. And once again, the media very focused on Uri Slavkovsky this week. And to be honest, why wouldn't they? Uh, for Montreal, uh, the, re- the rebuild needs to be successful by collecting top prospects. Uh, right now, it, it's just not gone well for Uri Slavkovsky. He's had a bit of a bad start to his uh, NHL career if we're being completely honest and uh, well this team starts to slide towards the bottom of the standings as uh, their schedule starts to toughen up a little bit I think uh, they had an easy start to their season not a whole lot of travel but uh, as we get into this November month uh, the competition becoming stiffer and a little bit uh, more travel along the way as well uh, some fans uh, are willing to be patient here, stay the course, uh, but uh, they'd like to see some progress for this first overall pick in your eyes, Slavkovsky. And uh, I know we talked about this a little bit last week as well, but uh, this is this is still a hot topic. Uh, you cannot watch your eyes, Slavkovsky, and tell me that you're completely satisfied with what you've seen so far, right, Rick? No, I don't think you can. Um, it, it, impossible to do so because uh, and and last week we we played the clips from the organization, particularly Nick Bobrov. Um, and, and he, he outlined, um, point by point, uh, the reason, uh, that, uh, the reasons that the Montreal Canadians chose, uh, Yuri Slavkovsky and that, um, you know, he could adapt to, uh, the big stage. He had the temperament for 
playing in Montreal. He um, asserted his, he was dominant on the ice playing against men. We heard that over and over and over again that um, he, he exerted his will. He made every one of his line mates better. Um, and all of that, we've seen, seen glimmers of hope, but, but we just haven't seen um, the, the, the promise. And we understand, we understand that, that um, nobody was expecting a finished product. Um, and they're, you know, prospects come with, uh, and they're quite raw. Um, and it's up to the organization to develop them. The Montreal Canadiens have had a, a long history of, of difficulty with developing prospects. Not so much, drafting is, has been decent. Um, even in the Bergevin, or even particularly in the Bergevin era uh, with Trevor Timmons, drafting's been okay, but development was horrible. Uh, and most prospects would then get uh, shipped out of the organization bef- before they could uh, reach their potential. It was all meant to be different during with with Kent Hughes and Jeff Corton, and, and they were going to bring a new approach. And, and uh, they put a lot of resources into development. They've um, they've, they've built a development team. They, they have development specialists who go down to Laval um, and, and um, run practices and run drills and spend individual time. But Yuri Slavkovsky is not in Laval. Um, so uh, that makes things a little bit, uh, a little bit tougher. Well, uh, we talked about how this has been a very popular topic within the media. Well, uh, Le Journal de Montreal put out uh, an article, and it's entitled, It's Sad, but uh, it's this. After 50 games, Slavkovsky is in the top four worst first first uh, picks in 50 years. And, uh, yeah, it is quite unfortunate. We're at uh, Slavkovsky's 50, 50 games into his NHL career. And we're not seeing a whole lot. Uh, there are a number of different players within uh, this list. I, I believe chopping or topping this chart is one Nail Yakubov, and we know the debacle that that was over in Edmonton. That's another player that went straight into the NHL and just never uh, got a hold of themselves. This is um, this is a severe indictment uh, of of uh, the the pick, not so much the player, because. Uh, the article written by Jean-Nicolas Blanchet says um, he likes uh, Yuri Slavkovsky and, and says, oh, don't dare uh, criticize him or, or you'll be open to criticism yourself. He says everybody likes him, but, uh, quote, the reality is that Slavkovsky is the lowest producing first overall pick in the last 26 years in his first 50 games uh, and then puts him in in the bottom four in, in the last 50 years of first round picks. And, and he goes through and, um, and itemizes, um, back to 1973, uh, and the pick, the first overall pick, Denny Potvan, uh, and compares at the 50 game mark, uh, all of the, the point levels, like Mario Lemieux in 84 at 69 points. Um, now, are you measuring a uh, first overall pick? Are you measuring any prospect by points alone? No, of course not. Um, and um, but it is there is uh, it, it is a a one p- part of the puzzle. It is one piece of information. Um, he goes on to say that you know he's only nineteen years old, but yeah, so is everybody else that that was picked in that draft and isn't finding uh, similar struggles. 
um, he talks about that he's he's scored 10 goals uh, in three years at the professional level, and he includes his uh, his year in Finland as that. Um, he said that uh, that Slavkovsky has never dominated uh, in those three years except in the Olympics, and that was really that two weeks uh, where. Um, you know, Slavkovsky was good on the, on the power play. We saw a tremendous shot. Um, and that's what I can, I think cemented the, the decision, uh, for the Canadians. Um, so he has 12 points, um, after 50 games, uh, Slavkovsky had, uh, 12 points. Uh, only three players in 50 years have fewer points than him in 50 games. Um, and he names <laughs> players who are, um, who were better than that? Uh, Nail Yakupov, and that 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 hurts. That just hurts. That just hurts. We know what happened. Nail Yakupov, Doug Wickenheiser, and of course Doug Wickenheiser was uh, the last Canadians' first round pick in 1980. You know how hard it is to get a first overall pick. Um, it was 40 years, 40 plus years uh, between first overall picks. For the Montreal Canadiens, Doug Wickenheiser being the last. Rob, Rob Ramage is in here. Roman Hammerlick, both defensemen, um, all had better um, better points at the 50-game mark. Now, he said there's there's three players who are below Slavkovsky and names them. Gord Klusak, doesn't really count. Bruins defenseman. Um, uh, Owen Nolan with the Nordique had six points in his first 50 uh, and turned out okay. Uh, and then the one that everyone likes um, to compare uh, Slavkovsky to, and that's Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton had seven points in his first 50 games. Um, the caveat to that, uh, as the author says, um, he was playing under Pat Burns. Pat Burns notoriously difficult uh, on, on rookies, and Thornton was only getting six to eight minutes a game. Um I think that um, that the people are are disappointed um, in his in his hockey sense, his ability to to process the game. That's also mentioned in the article, um, and uh, you know, is, is again, can this only be measured by points? No, but it puts Slavkovsky um, in context to say. You know, all everybody's saying he's only 19. Leave him alone, and he'll figure things out. You don't figure things out on your own. You need guidance. You need uh, development. You need help, uh, and you need to be able to process the game at a level where you can gain some confidence. Um, and and so that's why I think last week we both kind of uh, let our opinions be known uh, that we would have liked to have seen uh, Slavkovsky in the AHL. That's not the choice. Uh, that um, the Canadians made. And, and, and listen, he got a goal this past week, which uh, will certainly help his confidence. It wasn't a highlight real goal by any means, a bit of a flub that, that made its way past uh, Joel Hofer in the, in the uh, game against St. Louis. Um, but hopefully uh, that will, uh, will help him. The, the issue is uh, that the Montreal, and as you said, the, the Montreal Canadiens, uh, in order for the rebuild to be successful, they need their picks to be successful. This can't be uh, an Alex Galchenyuk situation, a Jesperi Kakayemi situation. Um, they they can't afford that to happen. They need to be successful. They need to to devote the attention to Slavkovsky to make him successful. 
Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, that he did score a goal on the power play last week. Uh, something that I feel like we heard quite a bit is, okay, just let him get his first goal of the season, then he'll be more confident and things will fall into place. Well, since that first goal, I feel like he's, again, kind of faded to the background, and then we've seen more of the same from him where he's not really a factor in many games, to be completely honest. Uh, he's not very good on his skates. He goes down very easily. We saw Tanner Janot, who's maybe half the size of Slavkovsky, <laughs> knock him down. And Slavkovsky goes flat onto his back uh, most of the time. Uh, I, I don't even really notice Slavkovsky out on the ice. He had some looks uh, on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield this past week. Uh, not a whole lot to show for it. Uh, he's been put into top six role. I think most of his time has been spent on a line with Alex uh, Newhook. I don't think a whole lot of chemistry has been there. Uh, we've had we've seen moments of him playing with Kirby Doc. It's been a little bit better, but again, I don't think we can really look at this and say, oh, well, it's it's Slavkovsky's line mates that are the problem. No, I mean, Slavkovsky needs to take some ownership in it himself. And, uh, well, the development path for him so far in the NHL, uh, I think it's been a more of a non-development path. No, uh, right now, uh, the only guy who's allowed to speak to him is Marty St. Louis. It seems like a bit of a quirky rule. Last year, we saw Slavkovsky mostly as a fourth liner. He had a few looks in the top six, but mostly he was towards the bottom of the lineup. I think the idea there was put him out against the other teams, like weaker D pairings and whatnot to see what he can do. That didn't really do a whole lot for him. This year, he's getting a lot more time on the ice. And uh, again, I don't think I've seen really any change in his game uh, throughout uh, his first two seasons so far. Yeah, just um, two points, a goal and one assist, um, and lots of time between those two events uh, in 13 games uh, this season um, and and uh, 10 points in 39 games uh, last season in the NHL. Um, now, you know, I said that, that the... You know, measuring points uh, is is kind of simplistic um, in the first uh, 50 games. It's one measure, but it's pretty simplistic. If you want to get into analytics, this season, if you look at Slavkovsky's goals above replacement, it's minus 2.1. What does that mean? Second worst uh, on the team. What about his wins above replacement? Minus 0.3, second worst on the team. Who's worse? Alex Newhook, unfortunately. Um, but um, I, again, yeah, th- this, oh, it's it's his line mates. Remember those words. He repeated it over and over again, Bob Rov. Uh, Slavkovsky is the player who carries the mail. Remember that phrase? Remember it? He repeated it. He said no matter what team he was on, Slavkovsky had the ability to make his line mates better. Uh, he was driving the, the play on the line, and we haven't seen that at all uh, so far. I don't think I've seen too many occasions in which Slavkovsky is the one carrying the puck on his stick. Uh, the eye test really has not benefited Slavkovsky, and you talked about analytics and the stats there too. It's just not going too well. What, what do you think about uh, Montreal's approach to their, I guess, quote-unquote, development so far with Slavkovsky in the NHL? Well, um, you know, we, as I said, we let our opinions be known. Uh, I think there are two development paths for uh, Slavkovsky. There, there, was, there were three. Uh, one would have been sending him to, to Europe, but the Canadians didn't like the way he was uh, treated um, when he w- played for, for in Finland uh, in the Liga for TPS. 
so that that option was was eliminated. Um, it, it's I, is it clear uh, that they they don't have an interest in sending him to Laval? Uh, we'll talk in a minute for, uh, with Patrick Williams, who. I call him the AHL guru. He knows all things. He knows the history of the game. He knows why, um, you know, the AHL is com- is co- considered uh, such a tremendous uh, development league. But the Canadians seem focused on the fact uh, that that uh, Yuris Levkovsky, the best place for him to learn, the best development path for him is with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and that, it seems to me, um, that they have decided... We remember um, that uh, Marty St. Louis' entrance uh, to NHL coaching was a very brief stint stint as a consultant, a skills coach, um, worked on the power play mostly with Columbus. Um, But Marty St. Louis is being asked to be Yuris Levkovsky's personal skills coach, his personal development coach, and as you said, um, is restricting the, um, the number of people that can have input um, so, you know, you have, you have, uh, Slavkovsky staying in the NHL and, and sure, uh, from time to time, Adam Nicholas comes in, uh, and whatnot, but, but really this, the, the development path that they've set up is a direct link, um, with, uh, with Marty St. Louis. Uh, he is, he is the development plan, Marty St. Louis and keeping, uh, Slavkovsky in the, in the NHL is the development plan uh, that it that they have chosen? Uh, they chose last year. They have chosen for this year, and it, I don't think it um, shows any. They, they don't show any interest in in sending him to Laval. Uh, why is that? Is that they don't trust what's going on? They don't trust JF Ool and and uh, see that we've talked about the kind of development or lack of uh, development that's going on. Is is that part of it? Uh, is it part of the marketing as, as was said, um, last week, is it, what, what, what is it? Um, or, or is it that, that they just feel this, this supreme confidence in Marty St. Louis, that he's the best one to get through to Slavkovsky and, and bring out his potential. But then what happens if you're a skills coach, if you're a development coach, are, are you a head coach? How do you, how can you have the time to be a head coach as as well, and we talked about the dreadful starts, the unprepared uh, nature of of this team, game after game after game, and getting blown out in in first periods. Um, so there's uh, there's something going on, and and um, you know certainly uh, the magic wand has been talked about uh, to to a great deal, uh, and and uh, it appears that that the fortunes of, of Slavkovsky are, are in the hands of Marty St. Louis. So let's uh, talk Laval Rocket. And uh, we do have our AHL guru, uh, probably the best, probably one of the most knowledgeable guys on the AHL. Uh, he's a very special guest uh, today. It's uh, Patrick Williams of NHL.com and uh, the AHL.com. Let's welcome him into the studio as he will talk about uh, the AHL and uh, the development that goes on in that league. So welcome to Patrick Williams. Thanks, Michael. Um, this morning, I'm really excited to um, have with us someone someone that's been a contributor for Rocket Sports um, for a little bit of time, uh, but his first 
his for his debut on the Canadians Connection podcast. We have Patrick Williams and uh, Patrick Williams. You should know Patrick Williams, but if you don't know Patrick Williams, he is. Um, I call him the AHL guru. He he um, knows all things AHL. He writes for the AHL.com. He writes about the AHL for uh, NHL.com. Um, he has the Around the A podcast. He, as I said, a contributor for Rocket Sports. And, and now with the Rocket Hockey Report. Uh, what else? Well, he's a formidable fantasy football opponent. He's a very good friend. Uh, welcome, Patrick Williams, to the Canadians Connection. And and an eager uh, wheeler and dealer with you. Yes, in our yes. Fantasy my uh, football league. My favorite yes. trading partner. Yes, uh, great to be here. Uh, it's a thrill, uh, as you know. I'm a huge fan of the work that you and Amy and the rest of the staff do. Um, and it's yeah. Thank you for having me. Well, we're we're grateful that you're you're part of our group and and that you're willing to uh, uh, contribute your knowledge and and even um, you know have the opportunity to pick your brain from time to time um, because you know all um, the reason I thought it would be a, a good idea to have you on uh, today um, is that there's been a lot of talk over the last uh, few weeks well you maybe even longer than that about um, Yuri Slavkovsky um, the Canadians' first overall pick in 2022, and and how he is is progressing, how he's developing. Um, to use Kent Hughes's word, he has been underwhelming so far. His performance in the NHL, and and so obviously there is uh, questions about. Well, what about the AHL? What about the Laval Rocket? Would uh, that be a a place where he could uh, better learn? Um, his craft. And so I, I thought we'd bring you on. And um, first, before we get to um, uh, Yuri Slavkovsky specifically, just to talk about um, the AHL um, and about developing um, high-end, top-end uh, prospects in the league. I've heard you um, characterize the AHL as the second best hockey league in the world. And, and so um, give us an idea of, of um, the kind of league it is. Uh, there may be some listeners who haven't paid attention to the AHL in a while, how the AHL's changed over the years, uh, and why it might be a good spot to develop your prospects. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a complicated question, but the sort of the long and the short of it is, you know, it, for, for decades, the perception really of, of any minor league, and, and including the AHL, was, I think largely shaped by, let's say, you know, the, let's say Slapshot, right? Like it was viewed as a place where, you know, kind of old um, veterans go, going on the end of their career um, would play or maybe, you know, it was a league of uh, has, has-beens or never-wers types, right? And the resources were, you know, were perceived to not be very strong in terms of uh, developments. Um, that all started, um, it, it started to change, you know, several decades ago, uh, but, you know, perceptions last, but, it, you know, really took off, let's say in the nineties and certainly into the two thousands when the AHL became the, the only, uh, top developmental league, um, for the NHL one step away. Um, it's a lead where on a routine, uh, annual basis, you'll have anywhere from, 
85 to 90 percent of the players in, in the NHL at a given time have come through the AHL. Um, and, uh, you know, in a given year, you'll see approximately somewhere, you know, in the range of almost a half, you know, of the AHL will um, go up to the NHL at some point. So uh, it's a league where, you know, you can pl- play in the AHL one night, you can be in Laval tonight, you could be uh, skating on the ice at Bell Center uh, tomorrow night, right? And, you know, so it's, that's, you're getting first round picks. You also get a lot of high, high end veterans. Now the money's very good playing in the HL too, right? Like if you're a veteran uh, who can bring it both on the ice and off the ice, uh, you can make a very nice living for yourself. And so um, you've seen now that teams in the, the NHL are very comfortable sending first round picks down. You know, you just looked at the 2022 20, draft number two, uh, Shimon Nevitz, uh, New Jersey has a Utica for a second year in a row. Um, Shane Wright just called up this week by Seattle. He has, has been spending time in Coachella Valley. David Jerichek, um spent a good portion of last year in Cleveland before, you know, it seemed seemingly having graduated to Columbus. He was sixth overall, at, you know, in 22. So, you know, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, same piece, you know, with, with other, you know, draft years, you're, you're getting top 10 picks uh, just this uh, past uh, couple weeks. Rochester, they had an entire line of first round picks, recent picks, uh, Matt Savoy, uh, Yuri Kulich and, uh, Isak Rosine all skating on one line with Rochester, uh, you know, future of the Buffalo Sabres right there. So, uh, it's not kind of the, the lead of old, uh, you know, rundown ranks and, uh, old veterans, right? Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a much, uh, it's, it's almost really a mini NHL. Um, it's, it's a great proving ground, a great development. Um, almost a, if you think about it, a lab, you know, I, yeah. I hear coaches use that, that phrase a lot, you know, a place to experiment with things and, and, uh, you know, a really good learning environment. Well, it's, it's fascinating. And, and, um, you know, taking a look at, um, this issue, um, there was an article that appeared on the AHL, um, the AHL.com about a year ago. And it talked about the 2021-22 season, and I was, you know, I'm following this thing, but I was shocked when it said that in during the 2021-22 season, a total of 235 former first and second round picks played in the American Hockey League, which is amazing. And and um, you know, as you said, supporting your point that um, these are top end prospects. Uh, which is contributing to the, uh, the the talent level and and the performance level of of the AHL, um, and and so it's it it is it's not really seen I don't think as the demotion uh, as it once was uh, mm-hmm. that you're going to get sent down to the AHL and and left there. Um, even even uh, you did an article uh, about a month ago about the 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 top round picks, the first round picks that were set to, to make their uh, debut and Brennan Othman and Chad Lucius and, and Dylan Gunther and, and really good talent uh, in the league uh, this season. Yeah. I mean, you know, Brad Clark, eighth overall pick, uh, the LA Kings, um, you know, kind of had a similar in some ways uh, path as Shane Wright last year. Started off with the NHL team, went down to the HL conditioning, went to World Junior, back to the OHL, 
Uh, difference for Shane Wright last, you know, last year he was able to get a extended run of the Colorado Cup playoffs. But um, yeah, you looked around the league and you're seeing Dallas, Dallas Stars, for example. They have uh, Maverick Bork. They have uh, uh, Logan Stankoven um, in in Texas. Uh, first round pick, second round pick. Um, you know, playing really well there. Uh, taking a patient approach. Um, it's, it's, it's a place, um, you know, it was always for the most part, a place where even a goalie as a first round pick would, would go to, but Mm -hmm. in a lot, a lot of cases in the past, you would see first rounders skip the AHL or at least, you know, have a very quick stop. But now you're, you're seeing a, I think there's a greater awareness of, uh, the importance of giving these players, uh, a real well-rounded education. I mean, it's also, I think goes hand in hand with the ever increasing emphasis on having two way players, you know, like you can't be a one way player in the NHL anymore. And so um, best place generally to learn that, you know, other side of the game, because for the most part, these players have all, you know, they've all, you know, gotten to where they're at by being able to produce, you know, you know, with the puck on their stick. Well, the HL is where you learn to play with the puck, not on your stick. Right. And so, um, you know, that, that emphasis really in the NHL itself in terms of it, um, the game is kind of where the AHL comes in. And that's where you really get uh, the, the opportunity to make a player a well-rounded player. And uh, that's certainly, I think, um, you know, something the AHL, you know, as a league, its coaching staffs, you know, have all really um, emphasized a lot and, uh, you know, it's, you know, you don't see, you don't see the one dimensional players, you know, in, in the NHL today that you might've seen back in the eighties and nineties, for example, uh, you have to be, it's, it's almost a, a prerequisite to, to be a top, you know, you know, if you're going to stick in the NHL for any length of time that you're going to be able to play both sides and, uh, you have to do that, you know, and most players, don't want to, or most teams, I should say, don't want players trying to learn that on the fly in the NHL because it's not a forgiving environment. No, absolutely. Um, so we're talking in general about why the NH, uh, the AHL might be a destination for uh, prospects, but um, what about Yuri Slavkovsky um, specifically? And and maybe you know, I've heard people m- make the case that it's a different situation. Uh, he's a a first overall pick and, and apparently, um, you know, a first overall pick hasn't gone to the AHL since, uh, biblical times. And it's a lost commandment that, that thou shalt not send, uh, um, but, but, um, setting that aside. And, and there's also the argument of whether Slavkovsky should have been the first overall pick to begin with, but, but what would, what could he benefit from? I think we both see, a. Uh, a, a talented young player with some uh, raw talent, but but um, how could he benefit from going to the Laval Rocket? Well, I think for one is it's it's the NHL is a it's a wins oriented league first and foremost. Winning is all that matters, right? The AHL obviously winning matters, but you know there there's there's certainly an emphasis also on um, individual development. Um, and, you know, it's a more forgiving environment, too, where, you know, if, if you make a mistake in the NHL, there's a good chance it's in your own net. Yeah. Um, the NHL, you know, you can get away with things a little bit more. Now, that, that can be a double-edged sword, too. Um, you, you can have, you know, some bad habits get reinforced that way if you're not careful. But um, 
you're also doing so just in, in less of a, you know, a fishbowl environment, right? You know, it's certainly Montreal is, is kind of the, the, the ultimate example of that, you know, in terms of the pressure, um, you know, whereas, you know, you go to the HL and you go on the road, let's say, let's say the Laval Rock could go on the road, you know, they go down to Syracuse, Rochester, Utica for a weekend. It's, you're kind of in your own little bubble there, right? The media is not going to be following you around the, you know, you're not on RD, RDS or TSN uh, highlights every night. Um, you know, you're, you're able to just kind of, you know, you're almost in your own little cocoon there, you know, just 25 players on the team going from one city to the next playing. And it's just, I think, a more conducive environment to being able to kind of just, you know, really buckle down and, 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 and focus almost, you know, like a student um, studying for exams, um, you know, where, you know, there are no outside distractions. Uh, so I think, you know, you, you look at like a Nemec, you look at a right, you look at a Juracek just most recently, um, you know, it was, it, was, it was a good move by those clubs. Um, to get their players into into that type of environment, and I, I think all three players uh, are that much better for it. Yeah. So, what do we know about um, Kent Hughes? Obviously, uh, on the uh, the agent side, so didn't have the experience. But what do we know about Jeff Gorton um, and his use of the AHL to uh, develop prospects when he was with with the New York Rangers? Yeah, so, um, well, you know, it's, it's funny how uh, things are a small world. So let's take Leah Anderson, who's been playing in Laval uh, this season off to a great start. You know, you know, ran a little bit of an injury issue recently. But, um, you know, he was a seventh overall pick um, by the New York Rangers. And, um, you know, while Jeff Gordon was, was, was in New York um, and had a very kind of up and down um, time with the Rangers. Uh, went, uh, you know, literally speaking, <laughs> back and forth to the NHL and AHL. And, uh, you know, he was there. There, He had a player that's coming out of, um, you know, the Swedish Hockey League. He had some experience there at a very young age. Um, you know, an excellent lead uh, to have had that experience. Um, you know, he had obviously had, you know, success at the world junior level. Uh, comes in and, you know, ran into some real um, – uh, tur- turbulence, I guess you'd call it, uh, at the the AHL level. It's a, it's a tough league. I, mean, I think people people expect, well, you're a first-round pitch, especially a top 10, you're going to come in and just absolutely dominate in the AHL. That's not <laughs> always the case. Yeah. Um, uh, it can be you know an unforgiving league in its own right. Uh, it's, the schedules are grind. Uh, it's a you know, play style. Uh, it can certainly be... Um, much different uh, from what players are accustomed to either coming in from junior or college or, you know, it's, you know, a little bit more wide, wide open simply because the players just aren't as skilled defensively, Um, you know, and and coming over from Europe, obviously where there's an adjustment uh, range size wise. Uh, So, so, you know, he had some ups and downs Vitaly Kraftsoff, another one um, who was a uh, ninth overall pick. Um, You know, he had a, he had a pretty rocky time in uh, in the New York Rangers system, going back and forth New York to Hartford, as well. So um, it's uh, you know it's uh, you know and obviously there, there's a lot of outside you know no two similar situations are exactly the same. The NHL teams are in different places in terms of you know you know whether you're a contender or not a contender. 
Uh, so it's not always a apples to apples type of comparison. But you know, those are just kind of two you know fairly recent examples. Um, you know, Anderson, you know, Kraft's office back in the KHL. Anderson uh, ended up going to the LA system. Uh, ran into some injuries there. He's 25 now. Uh, signed with uh, obviously with Montreal uh, this past summer, um, and is trying to get his career back on track now at age 25. But you know, it's difficult. Uh, it's um, you know, he's you know, there's a lot of time there that's kind of been. You know, not just the most productive time for him, unfortunately. So, you know, it's um, it, it, it it can be a situation where first round picks are not a surefire thing by any stretch. And even, you know, you get, uh, you know, seventh overall pick, a guy that was really expected to be uh, a hit. And uh, even that, uh, you know, it's, it's very easy for things to go off track. Well, um, you are a wealth of information always and uh we're we're thrilled that you're going to be uh on the canadians connection on a regular basis on a monthly basis uh this season and you're going to be able to provide us with uh um your 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 wealth of of knowledge and and uh help us understand how um canadians prospects in particularly are are faring uh as this season goes along um thank you uh thank you for this appearance we're already looking forward uh, to your next appearance, I should say that if you're not following Patrick Williams, and you should be, on Twitter, uh, on X, uh, it's at P Williams uh, AHL. And um, just while we have a couple of minutes, Patrick, talk about. Uh, I know that one of one of my favorite reads um, every week on the AHL.com is your weekend watch, what you should be watching for in the AHL. Um, but you also have. Um, you had a fascinating story this week um, about uh, a cancer diagnosis um, uh, and and tying that into hockey fights cancer. Can you just uh, we'll take a few minutes here to um, uh, talk about that story because I, I I was moved by it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, Julia Mazur. She is an intern for the Wilkes-Barre Strand Penguins. Uh, obviously, they're Pittsburgh's uh, affiliates. Um, 20 years old. Um, so you're, you're, you're typical 20 year old, just going, going, going through life. You know, she had four part-time jobs, um, an internship, obviously she was, uh, in university taking, uh, 1.30 credits in the semester, which I didn't even know was possible, um, uh, to do that much, but, uh, she was, um, you know, a double major, you know, like, uh, you know, and then, she added a, a minor in communications on top of that. So, you know, like, so basically <laughs> just a, a girl who, who has always been um, somebody who's just a real go-getter. Um, she started with the penguins as uh, uh, on their ice crew uh, at age 14, uh, came to the team looking for a job. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think they, they were all at first, it's funny he was talking to them. They were all kind of at first like, you know, who's this? Who's this? Right? Like this 14-year-old showing up. But, you know, it was like she was just one of those people that was really determined to break into hockey and, um, you know, ended up being like, you know, the top person on the crew, uh, really impressed the team. Um, you know, she, she's a, a marketing and sports management, uh, uh, you know, major. So she's, uh, you know, looking to break into sports, you know, full-time as a career and, you know, so she started the internship with the team, 
And then this past summer, she gets a diagnosis of uh, stage four uh, metastatic melanoma cancer. And, you know, you can imagine, I mean, for anybody that would um, just hit them, you know, like a ton of bricks and, you know, certainly I think at at age 20, you know, she had no, you know, no prior indications of anything being off in terms of health. And, um, you know, so she's, she's going through a tough fight right now, for sure. Uh, She's, uh, she's been hospitalized for about the past month or so, I guess. Um, And she's, uh, you know, just uh, a great, uh, real great spirit, you know, like, um, wonderful head on her shoulders, you know, like, you know, going through such a, a difficult time. And yet, you know, it's very positive mentality, um, very, um, you know, um, very determined. Um, and, you know, so the team this uh, Saturday night, they're playing Syracuse, but they're going to have a, you know, a group night uh, where, you know, uh, it's called Penguin for a Day, where, uh, you know, the local, you know, kind of local men's league players will all come play a game, uh, pre-game on the ice there at the arena. And then, uh, you know, they all buy tickets and then a portion of the, the proceeds that night go to help her expenses, which, you know, you can imagine are pretty considerable uh, going through this. So, you know, she has a GoFundMe site set up there. That's, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, when, when the team kind of approached me with the story, you know, it's just like, it's different from writing your typical um, prospect story. Or the <laughs> story right? Like it's, yeah. you know, like the amount of uh, just, um, you just feel this pressure to get everything just right, you know, and, um, you know, she, she, such a great interview, like, you know, um, you know, she's a real, real chatterbox, uh, loves to talk <laughs> hockey, loves, you know, like to, to just, you know, even, even through going through all this, her, her concern is, you know, how, you know, how can I get the word out to other people? to help them, you know, going through, you know, maybe a similar situation or just some, some type of life challenge, you know, just sort of a very, um, selfless type of person. And so, yeah, you know, it was, um, you know, you you said it was a moving story to read and it was a moving story to write and, you know, just, um, you know, real, you know, real inspirational uh, person. And, you know, um, you know, it's, um, somebody that I think has, you know, really captured kind of the, uh, the emotion of um, the, the the entire kind of operation there, Wilkesbury Stratton, and um, and we're all just wishing her, you know, you know, a lot of you know, great fortune in this whole thing, and um, looking forward to her getting back um, back in, into the hockey world as soon as possible. Well, I liked um, VP of Operations uh, mm-hmm. for Wilkesbury Scranton. Scranton, uh, Brian Coe said that she's she's part of our our department. She's she's um, in in his mind that that she's coming back and and uh, uh, he can't wait for her to, to to contribute. And you know, in in sometimes we 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 put the, the players up on a, on a pedestal and mm-hmm. and they're they're distant. They're heroes. They're uh, but hockey is made up of real people and, and yep. people just like everybody else. Um, and um, I wanted to spend a minute, especially yeah. um, during November, as mm-hmm. as we focus on Hockey Fights Cancer in November and um, uh, read uh, Patrick's article. And, and if you'd like to help out, there is a, a GoFundMe link there as well. And, and as you said, we 
we wish uh, Julie all the best with her, um, with the challenge that she has ahead and, and look forward to uh, a follow-up story um, about, uh, about her in the future. So uh, thank you for doing this and, and uh, thank you for that story. Thank you for being on the Canadians Connection and uh, we look forward to, to when you're with us again. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. And thank you very much once again to Patrick Williams for stepping in for that interview. Uh, great time listening to that. Uh, like I said, uh, Patrick Williams, super knowledgeable, and uh, it was really great to have him in the studio today. Patrick Williams has been covering the AHL uh, and really um, um, uh, in an in-depth way, uh, both for AHL.com and for the NHL as, as their AHL correspondent for many years. We're very, very fortunate that... Um, uh, he has uh, been a contributor with us, so you heard him on the Press Zone if you listened to that podcast. Now it's uh, morphed into uh, the Rocket Hockey Report on our uh, YouTube channel, and you've seen Patrick make appearances there. We're really happy that uh, Patrick Williams is going to stop by and be a regular contributor uh, to the Canadians Connection. And what better way to introduce him to our audience uh, then let him speak about the thing that he's most—he's more knowledgeable about than anyone in hockey. Um, if you want to know anything about the AHL, ask Patrick Williams, follow Patrick Williams, um, and he was able to um, pro- provide the, the reasons why teams have chosen the AHL uh, and the success stories that they've had in using uh, the AHL to develop prospects, and not only marginal prospects, but top prospects, uh, prospects uh, taken in the first and second round of the NHL draft. And that leads me to our Canadians question of the week. Uh, We want to hear from our listeners. What do you think has prevented Slavkovsky from living up to expectations? We'll hear more from our listeners uh, after the break here. Uh, I think it's a good time to get to our final break, actually. We'll hear from our sponsors, Raycon, and then we'll have the Have Your Say segment. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Have you started noticing how many holiday and Christmas commercials are already popping up on your television screens? Well, listen, it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. So why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. Hey, guess what? You can shop Raycon products right now and save up to 50% off because their early Black Friday sale is going on right now. Now, you've heard me talk about Raycon's products before, right? Their everyday earbuds are a product that I use all the time. They've got great sound. They've got one-touch environmental settings on the earbuds themselves. They fit so comfortably inside my ear, and their connectivity is always seamless. They are absolutely tremendous. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like those everyday earbuds, which of course are known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life and that perfect in-ear fit that I talked about. That gives you all-day wear and lasting comfort. And did you know that this past year, they expanded their entire business with the introduction of Raycon Home and Raycon PowerTech. So what is that? Well, check this out. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. Looking for something that's not 
electronics related. Well, guess what? Their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It's a must have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. <laughs> Raycon's known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands. So it's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. So to get everyone in the holiday shopping spirit a little bit early, Raycon is offering currently 20% off everything on their site, with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon's early Black Friday sale. So hurry now to buyraycon.com THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com THPN. Welcome back to episode 269 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Make sure that you're following at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit the website canadiansconnection.fm. Also, feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line. It's 5853ROCKET. That's 5853ROCKET. And Rick, there's just so much going on with this team all the time. And, uh, well, it's a good thing that uh, we can provide our listeners with everything that they need to know. And they can find it all in one place. Just uh, go to THN.com slash Montreal. And you can find all of the amazing coverage that uh, Rocket Sports has for you there. Uh, the best way to keep up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons we've been doing this a long time, 15 years. And, and we each year put together... a amazing team of talented people to be able to gather the information to analyze what's going on and to provide it to our audience um one place all the coverage thn.com slash montreal also we're on youtube make sure you subscribe to our youtube channel just search at all halves and you'll be able to find that throughout the week we post a few different uh, episodes on there uh, first and foremost the habs hockey report hosted by amy johnson uh, the latest episode is entitled three short-term decisions facing the habs amy johnson does a wonderful job hosting uh, so hit that like button hit the subscribe button leave a comment amy loves to read out all the comments and uh, respond with all of her viewers also, if you like that, then uh, I think you'll like the Rocket Hockey Report. Uh, that's the best source to keep up to date with everything Laval Rocket. The latest episode entitled The Laval Rocket Won a Game, but then this happened. So great job again uh, by Amy Johnson hosting that. Make sure you tune into that throughout the week. Also, this podcast, the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, gets posted there on Mondays. Uh, so if you'd uh, rather search us up on YouTube and uh, watch uh, the episode on there, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, the latest episode on there is Slavkovsky Dilemma. Should the Habs send him to the AHL? Uh, make sure you tune into that one. Uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, leave a comment, and get involved in the conversation. Also on YouTube... Uh, Nathan and I uh, premiered on a live stream at uh, THN YouTube channel. We did a nice uh, live streamed watch along uh, this past week uh, for the game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And well, coming up this week, uh, well, it's just going to be me on the 
14th of November, uh, Calgary versus Montreal. I'm going to be doing a live stream with uh, one of our THPN colleagues and uh, Kyle. And uh, make sure you tune in uh, there. Uh, We like to read out all the comments and messages from our listeners. And uh, we like to have a lot of fun on there. So make sure that you check out this live stream and watch along. That was uh, the last one with uh, yourself and Nathan was terrific. And uh, lots of people stopped by, lots of comments. Um, and upcoming, it, it's going to be fun this week because um, I, I expect that you'll be taking the Montreal side. Kyle, we know, is is a fan of the Calgary Flames, uh, so you're going to get both perspectives there. We'll, we'll need the Flames fans and the Canadians fans. Need lots more Canadians fans, of course, leaving yeah. comments on the live stream. Uh, watch for the link or go to the THPN YouTube channel uh, on Tuesday night for that game. Absolutely. And uh, make sure you subscribe to the premier Rocket Sports Radio podcast on your favorite podcasting app, The Canadian's Connection. Uh, an episode comes out every single Saturday, and we like to do our best to keep you up to date with everything Montreal Canadiens on there. You can find every single episode at canadiansconnection.fm. Also, you can subscribe on any of your favorite podcasting apps so that you don't miss a single episode. Your inside link to the Montreal Canadiens. And Rick, it's uh, November, so that means that uh, Movember is underway. What can you tell us about this? Well, it's something that we have been doing for the past 10 years is participating in the Movember campaign. If you want to participate too, what can you do? Well, you can grow a stash uh, like Michael. You had a tremendous one on the... uh, uh, the live stream, and if you want to see Michael's uh, stash, tune into the live stream on uh, Tuesday. Um, I'm doing a, a bit of a fitness challenge and, and walking and biking and posting my results through the, the week. Uh, I believe that's the same thing that Amy Johnson is doing. Um, so we reach out to you and say, would you like to to get involved? Would you like to make a donation to Movember? Would you like to join our team do a fitness challenge, uh, grow a stash if you can, uh, hold an event. Um, we're, we're going to be talking about Movember all this month. And if you'd like to uh, uh, join us, uh, our, our page on uh, Movember, Movember.com, is Rocket Sports. Easy to find. And uh, you'll find uh, all of us, all of us on our individual pages there. And now we turn it over to our listeners uh, with our Canadians Connection question of the week. What do you think has prevented Slavkovsky from living up to expectations? We want to hear from you. Uh, I just told you the Rocket Sports text line is 5853ROCKET. But if you have a little bit more to say, I believe we have an email that people can reach out to us at. Hello at Rocketsportsmedia.com. That's hello at Rocketsportsmedia.com. We get tons of uh, text, tweets, emails, comments throughout the week. Uh, our listeners get very engaged with us. And Rick, uh, we have s- just a few of those reactions to read out today. Where to start? Where to start? Well, uh, let's start in, in uh, with our YouTube folks. Uh, we have Andrew Willis that says, uh, last year, Montreal was an AHL team, not technically, and is still the best place for Sla- Slavzilla to grow. Remember, he's 19 people. Go Habs, go. Thank you for uh, to Andrew for that. Uh, David Maslenka says, just wait and let him season a play and figure things out. All right? Um, there seemed to be a theme here. Pierre Lalonde said, leave him alone. Poor kid, he's only 19. Um, Connor Bedard's 18, by the way. Um, and uh, Alan W. 73 says, send him down, send him to Lavelle. 
so I, I, I think the thing, the common theme there is leave them alone. If you leave them alone, you might end up with a Doug Wickenheiser. Um, I, something has to be done to help the and 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 leaving him to his own devices. He's he's obviously uh, struggling um, and and he needs some guidance. The only question is, uh, and and I don't think there's any criticism here. Everybody wants to see him uh, reach his potential. The only discussion point here is where he can best. Um, get the help he needs to be uh, the type of prospect that uh, we've all been promised that he is. Uh, turning to Facebook, uh, Stefan Kluche says, what development? We're just throwing him to the wolves and he's not improving. The NHL is not a development league. Uh, Mike Weber said, look how long Stamkos was until netting 50 goals. Uh, okay. Uh, Christopher Pringle says, uh, clown show has zero idea going forward. The shame and guilt all over drafting slaff that hangs over the empty skulls as a reminder that they failed. Chris, wow. is, Chris is not happy. It's not happy. It's not happy. Uh, but we thank everybody. We thank Chris. We thank Mike, Stefan, uh, Andrew, uh, Pierre, all of, all of our uh, comment and, uh, and for all of those, um, that uh, we'll try and reach out to that sent texts that didn't get on the air that sent uh, uh, the emails and that reached out to us on social media. Yeah. So love all those messages. Uh, make sure that uh, when you reach out to us, just let us know your first name and where you're from. That way we know who we're talking to. Also, I love the nickname Slavzilla and I hope he lives <laughs> up to that at some point. Uh, I know a lot of fans get very passionate, especially about a first overall pick. And uh, you know what? Like you said, I think the common theme is that uh, everyone wants him to succeed, and uh, I think some fans are willing to be patient. It's just uh, varied opinions on uh, what the, of uh, what they think the development process should be. So continue to reach out to us as uh, we love to hear from all of our listeners. This week is actually a very busy week for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, starting tonight on November the 11th, Boston comes to Montreal. Uh, like we said, Raphael Harvey Pinard uh, comes back in. Noel Armia comes out, and it looks like Sam Montembeau is getting the start for that one. And it's going to be a back-to-back on Sunday, uh, November the 12th. Vancouver comes to town. Vancouver's been very hot recently. Uh, and then on the 14th, it's Calgary Flames. That's when I'm going to be live streaming uh, with Kyle, so make sure that you tune into that. And then on the 16th of November, it's the Vegas Golden Knights coming to Montreal. So four games, a very busy week, and some stiff competition for this Montreal Canadian. Yeah, three tough opponents uh, for sure. And um, the Boston Bruins, there's that rivalry. Always a good game. Caden Gooley said that he's really looking forward to the first time participating in the Bruins-Canadians rivalry. Looking forward to seeing that as well. Uh, so I think that's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Make sure that you subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on any of your favorite podcasting apps. You can also share it on social media if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week and uh, happy Remembrance Day to all. We'll be back here next Saturday, November the 18th uh, for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rocket Sports.